Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Techspansive. This is Sean Dubrovac from Avrio Institute. And I'm Ross Rubin at Radical Research. Today, we are going to jump into Google's announcement that they are acquiring Fitbit. We'll hit on Apple's earnings, and we'll also talk a little bit about some news from, or at least some rumors of some changes at Peacock, which is NBC's forthcoming streaming service. But uh, first, before we go any further, Ross, we should talk about the Nationals for a minute. (laughs) Based here in Washington, D.C., so this whole town has been closed down for the last month as we watched the Nationals move from elimination game to elimination game, finally pulling it out. Uh, It was kind of a tough weekend last weekend, all the yeah losing all three home games so that was right um, it's a weird has, it's kind has of has that weird... ever happened where every team lost their home game in a world series i don't it's, think so it's never happened not only in baseball but in any north american sport it's never happened wow. in hockey and it's never happened in basketball wow where the uh, visiting team wins all the the games the last mm. time it happened in baseball was 1996 when uh, the Braves went to New York, beat the Yankees at home two, for two games, and then lost the next four. So the Yankees mm. closed it all out back at home uh, in in Game Six. So this was the first time, and this was the I, I think the most elimination games that any team has faced. So they had mm. they had one in the NL. They first they had the wild card, then they had one in the NLDS against the Braves. And then they had two in the World Series. So um, constantly facing elimination. This all after starting the season, 19 and 31. So uh, if you bet on the Nats to win the World Series, it was a, was a good bet in the end. So that's been occupying everything that, uh, that is happening in, in D.C. In fact, I can't even open my computer now. I've looked at too many Nats articles so when I open my computer now, the algorithms go crazy, and all I get are World Series articles and uh, sure. uh, offers to buy merch. And, yes, offers yeah. to buy everything you can think of. It is amazing what they will print World Series champions on. <laughs> I've been offered to buy them all. Uh, well, so anyways, uh, well con- congratulations, Sean. Yeah, it's been a, it's yeah, been a fun week. I went to Houston for the game, and it was a it was awesome. That's that's outstanding. Yeah. A lot of fun there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, jumping back to uh, more important news outside of Washington, D.C., is Google's offer and, and uh, announcement that they were going to buy Fitbit for $2.1 billion. Uh, unsurprising to me, really. I mean, I, I think we saw the writing on the wall, and we knew that Fitbit would eventually sell to someone. Yes. Uh, I think and, that- and apparently uh, Facebook was in the mix, but... Uh, came in with a with a low ball offer, and actually, I think it would it makes a lot of sense for Facebook. They're moving into devices. It would make sense for them to be on wearables. Well, and they, and they love data, of course. They love data. They As, love they love having a place where you can Google. get alerts and you can get uh, right. Um, they so they could trigger engagement. So they, I, you know, I think there's a reason they broke Messenger off to try to create platforms they they view platform uh communication platforms as important so i could definitely see where that wearable space makes sense for them i think it made sense for amazon i'm sure amazon was in the mix there as they think about building out their ecosystem of of wearables 
but neither of those companies really yeah they have they haven't done a watch they haven't really done a watch yet you know no. although they did do this ring thing recently well and part of it is i i think they don't really have an os for wearables and they, well i don't i don't know if fitbit does either but but I'll, i will say that you know for as much as amazon is generally ahead of google in the agent space uh google i think is has been far ahead of uh, amazon in, in the health space they they have a lot of catching up to do there well and so that's where it probably makes a lot of sense for google to get into this space they're obviously trying to build out their hardware ecosystem and this gives them a a quick start there all of this of course happening in an environment where Apple is dominating the, I'll call it wrist wearable space, smartwatch space, if you if you want to call it that, and looks like the momentum is clearly in their their direction. At the same time, I would argue they're they're making a lot of pushes towards health, but I would say not moving as fast as they probably could. Though I think the the latest iteration of the Apple Watch is more focused on on health than they ever have. Yeah, I uh, I mean I think that. Tim Cook has uh, identified this as a key vertical uh, for them. Uh, Sean, you were very early to talk about the potential of it uh, for for Apple in the podcast, and mm-hmm. um, the uh, the acquisition of Fitbit. I, you know, we mentioned the data, and there's already been a lot of backlash on Twitter uh, about, you know, holy cow, I, you know, I used a, a Fitbit a few years ago, and I'm very uncomfortable with this idea that Google now has access to my heartbeat and, uh, you know, all of this information that I uh, would would rather they they not have access to. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the wrist wear business, that was not a particularly successful sector for Fitbit. I mean, they had a decent product that sold for less uh, than, than the Apple Watch. Uh, and now Apple is hitting lower price points by keeping older models in the market. But, you know, they, they continued to, to do well in, in the smaller things that, you know, clip to your belt, kind of their original uh, form factors, and they didn't do so well uh, in in the actual watch space. With uh, I think Verza was their main watch product. So it's a it's not clear to me that this is the magic pill that will give Google a a winning watch strategy. Although it certainly indicates that they're gearing up to to make a, a fresh run there. Well, and it's interesting because Google has Wear OS, obviously, so they've they've spent some energy and effort and, and have some dedicated resources to thinking about that area. To your point about the, the health data, uh, it clearly was a topic that was discussed within Fitbit, the fact mm. that their press release said, quote, Fitbit health and wellness data will not be used for Google ads, unquote, in the press release that announced the acquisition, I think is is very telling. Um, and right. There's probably a lot of concern around that internally or and knew that there would be concern about that externally as well. Wear OS has been uh, very maligned uh, in the marketplace. It's, it's, it's a real paradox because... It, it has seen a fair amount of adoption from many different brands, not all of which 
are necessarily high volume brands, you know, some of which are mid-tier luxury brands, but uh, Fossil has adopted it. Swatch has not. Fossil, in fact, uh, just came out with a, a new iteration of their Android Wear watch uh, recently that people are saying is the best one ever created. I mean, I've used uh, Android Wear slash Wear OS watches, and I think they're they're useful. You know, I, I don't think they're they're that bad. They're just not as good as an Apple Watch, but you know, most of them have been significantly less uh, than than an Apple Watch. So I, I think that they have just been to some extent out out engineered, but by far out out marketed has, has been part of the problem. A big part of the problem. Well, and I think, I mean, clearly one of the stories here is that hardware business is hard. I think it's hard for companies sure. even like Google uh, and how they think about it. And they, they're they able to extend their life in that area because they do have other revenue sources that keep the, the business going. And it looks like that's one of the struggles that Fitbit has run up against is how to make a profitable Hardware, hardware business, business that, yeah. that can sustain momentum over long periods. There's a very long time where Fitbit was very successful in that space and really right. carved out an, an important niche, arguably really helped create the idea of tracking steps and made that popular. And they, a year or two ago, tried to pivot away from just being a, a hardware player to trying to offer services and, and other a value proposition to users. They they were one of the few hardware companies to make it into the public markets. So mm-hmm. it was recently. And I think what's happened with a lot of these companies is that the reason they're able to build up to the scale that they reach is uh, that they, they target a, a market segment that is a bit under the radar of the big guys, you know, so Fitbit, you know, no one else was really making these fitness trackers, but then came the Apple Watch and obviated uh, a lot of the need for a lot of that. And then the other two that I mostly think of are GoPro, uh, which which has certainly struggled uh, because I think just like Fitbit, they saturated the, their market for people who were, you know, health enthusiasts and in, in Fitbit's case on the higher end product. And, uh, and you know, extreme sports, people wanting to capture their extreme sports escapades in, in the GoPro segment. Mm-hmm. And the last one that I can think of is Sonos. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have been uh, incredibly resilient uh, against a whole host of competitors for many, many years. And they, I think, are, you know, now trying to expand a bit beyond their traditional networked audio strength, but they're doing it in a smart way, I think. You know, they, they've launched a, a Bluetooth speaker, but it's not like, you know, the 10 billion Bluetooth speakers that are on the market. It's it's a full-fledged participant in their system that, if you want, you can take it out of the house. You know, and they, they've done a nice job with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's it's pricey, like like all a lot of their stuff. But you know, again, with with and we've we've talked about this a little bit before. You know, particularly when we saw the most recent round of Amazon audio home audio products. You know, Amazon's probably their strongest threat, um, and you know, followed by Google, which hasn't really been um, 
you know, so active in, in the high end, but they're looking to build audio into routers and things like that. And Apple has been, you know, they've, they've long been, Apple's long been identified as kind of a, a natural acquirer potentially for Sonos, but, uh, but they continue to, you know, dabble uh, in, in that part of the market, you know, with HomePod. It's kind of surprising, in fact, that, that they haven't done a follow-up to HomePod at this point, but that's, that's where things are. Well, let's pivot now and take a look at Apple's earnings. Yeah. Apple announced revenue of $64 billion, up about 2% from last year. This was their fourth quarter earnings. The key number in their iPhone was down 9% from last year. So they reported a little over $33.3 billion in revenue compared to $36.7 billion last year. And so the growth that makes up not only for the decline in iPhones, but also allows them to to put up 2% revenue growth is showing up in services, which brought in $12.5 billion in the fourth quarter compared to 11 point almost 5 billion last quarter and 10.6 billion from a year ago. Apple announced that they had over 450 million paid subscribers across their services compared to 330 million just a year ago. So that's a big area of growth and there are lots of things that are included in service, but that's definitely been a, a key area of focus for Apple over the last say 18 months or so. And then we also saw the release of a new set of AirPods that that include noise cancellation. And uh, I saw them on Twitter referred to as mini hair dryers that you stick (laughs) in your ears. They, They do look a lot like little hair dryers that you might use. You know, Apple has done a very good job of carving out a space there in in that wearable category. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking on the podcast about all of the others that are now getting right. Everyone's space. everyone's going after them, yeah. Yeah, I mean we saw announcements from Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Google all yep. entering in that space. And, and I think noise cancellation was a, a logical extension of that category. I think they're at a period where people need to upgrade their AirPods or they need to have the batteries replaced. I know I'm in that space. Mm. I I had new AirPods when they first came out and now the batteries are dying. And so need to either upgrade to a new pair or at least go through the battery replacement. They're pricey, just like we see from all of the other players. It's a pricey category but uh, one that I think will probably do well for Apple and and we'll see who else can come in and play a strong number two with everybody else launching in that area. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, as, as you said, Sean, they've, uh, they've been the leader in the space. They are uh, attracting a, a lot of competition. Uh, you know, it seems like the kind of product that is uh, offers incredible margin uh, they are able to leverage a lot of their own technologies, uh, surprisingly high amount uh, of, of their own technology. So kind of the magic of, of AirPods, the first generation was you you opened up the little case and the iPhone immediately recognized them and it, it told you what to do. That, of course, is, is still in this new version. And, you know, you can do things like turn the cancellation on and off 
uh, via um, via your Apple Watch, and they have this mode that I don't think I've ever seen on on a pair of uh, headphones before called transparency, where you can amplify the outside world. So it's like noise cancellation in reverse. Uh, many uh, headphones that have noise cancellation allow you to turn off the noise cancellation, which you know uh, helps you hear what's what's going on uh, in in the real world. But I think this is the the first time I've ever seen the feature where uh, it will actually help you hear uh, amplify what's going out there. And a lot of this is due to a new chip uh, that they've that they've engineered called the H1. That handles all of the pairing magic and the noise cancellation and many of the tricks uh, that it can do. So this this is I, I think we agree an area where there's a, a lot of potential that they're just sort of starting to tap into. I I also like that they thought about uh, gestures on these earbuds. So we've seen tons and tons of experimentation from many different players about how you can use different touching gestures on earbuds to trigger certain things. And uh, Apple came out and said, look, we don't want you tapping on the earbuds. We think that that creates an unpleasant sensation <laughs> in your ear. So the way that they turn on and off the noise cancellation is you pinch the little tail that descends the antenna, uh, that that descends from the... Uh, uh, from from the AirPod uh, Pro, as as it's called. So you know, as typical for them, uh, a, a lot of forethought, uh, excellent design, and a, a lot of good integration with uh, with their other products. And you talk about the amplification of the of the volume external to the headphones. Yes, I see people all the time leaving their AirPods in while they're checking out at at stores, at retail stores, grocery stores, or anywhere else, they just leave them in, especially younger generations. And so, uh, you know, you can imagine that that's one reason why they have that amplification. And then also you saw the FDA earlier this year uh, or, or Congress earlier this year approve over-the-counter hearing aids and the FDA is mm. preparing regulations for getting, getting back to our health discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's a, a very natural area. I mean, if you look at hearing aids today, you have to generally go see a licensed professional. They tend to be expensive as a result. You're spending yep. thousands of dollars. And so a lot of studies that I've seen suggest 25%, maybe 30, 40% of adults who could use them don't go and, and pick them up. And so right. here's now the, the coolest hearing aids on the block that will help amplify some of the noise that you might want to hear in the, the face of an Apple AirPod. So that, mm -hmm. that could be an interesting market for them as well. And to your point, you know, at some point probably bridges into the, the hearable category, which I don't always love that name, but the hearable yes. category with, with health, additional health uh, tools built in. The other big piece, obviously, that we will, we will see soon with the Apple earnings, and this will probably start to materialize uh, next year and and potentially even here in the first quarter now that we're in uh, the first quarter of apple's earnings season fiscal. yeah fiscal period yeah. Uh, which typically encompasses the holiday period q1 has always been a very important quarter for them and so 
uh, Annals will be watching that very closely. Obviously, Wall Street will be watching that very closely. During this period, Apple is launching their Apple TV Plus service, and so they'll be reporting out on that, uh, presumably, if, if nothing else, providing a narrative, and that's something that we'll be watching closely in, in 90 days. I, th I think it's going to be a, a slow ramp. I mean, they are coming at this completely greenfield um, in the way Amazon did. Uh, and Sean, you, you made a, a good point when we were talking before the podcast that in many ways, Apple's goals with its video service are similar to Amazon's in that they want to use it to drive stronger revenue streams um, and and enhanced loyalty in particular. So so now you've got this uh, virtuous cycle where people, someone buys an iPhone, they get a free year of Apple TV Plus, they can pay for it with their Apple Card, you know, which uh, distributes the uh, financing and, and allows for automatic upgrades after two years or, or whatever it is. And why do I ever need to think about this again? You know, it's just, I'm just going to keep getting a, a new iPhone and subscribing to their services without, without having to, to think about it, uh, by default. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to, uh, and, I, and I think giving it away for a year is an acknowledgement of how competitive the space is getting, how some of the uh, fatigue, subscription fatigue is, is setting in a bit. Uh, and that uh, plays into some rumors that we saw this week about Peacock, which is the service, uh, streaming service that's going to be launched by uh, Comcast uh, through uh, N NBC Universal brands, and we'll have the Office as, as one of the exclusives, for example. And the rumor is that they are going to offer a, a, an ad-driven uh, free tier, uh, whereas previously the rumors had just been that they were going to offer it for free to cable subscribers, uh, people who authenticated through cable, uh, and uh, people who, I guess, bought other kinds of Comcast services, perhaps like, like Comcast Mobile. So, so this is how Hulu started out. You know, they, they had a free ad-supported tier, and then you could subscribe for, um, uh, for, uh, for, for an ad-free version. Uh, and uh, and you had other benefits, and eventually they dropped that, and and now they have subscriptions with ads uh, and a higher subscription price if you if you don't want the ads. So so what do you what do you think this says about Peacock? Uh, do you think they're they're realizing that they may not have the upper hand compared to perhaps some of their more content rich rivals? I think the big struggle here is. To your point, not only are we trying to influence people to spend money with us, but we're trying to influence them to spend time with us. And, and that resource is much more finite and much harder to, to extract from users. And so uh, we have to get them to think about us. And I think if you look at the services that are available today, obviously both Netflix and Prime, Amazon Prime, have done a good job of that. So I would imagine if you looked at your average household sitting down on a Friday night going to watch a movie, 
the question is Netflix or Amazon Prime as the source to go to to determine what are we going to watch. And Apple, Peacock, and others need that to become uh, a default, uh, you know, the, the default of more households. And, and so you do that by being on the devices. Amp Apple clearly has an advantage there, and they can be front and center on the devices and have a very seamless experience. Peacock doesn't have a device story, so they have to mm. have a compelling content story. You can use, you can get some of that from the legacy content, but I definitely think it's a, an uphill battle for them. And so going to a ad-supported free environment might be a good way of getting consumers to think about Peacock. Yeah, and, and we've, we've seen other companies come into this with aggressive offers. Uh, I don't think uh, AT&T slash WarnerMedia have really made their, um, uh, their aggressive play yet, but, but Disney, uh, I think, wisely offered some special deal where you could sign up for, for three years uh, in advance at, at something like $4 a month. Um, so even even Disney, which uh, has uh, arguably the strongest uh, IP and the strongest content library of, of this new wave of, um, uh, of, of, of offerings, uh, and which now essentially owns Hulu, uh, it will be very interesting to see what happens with with that property as these uh, these new services uh, gain traction if they gain traction. But um, uh, I, I think that it's it's something to build off. You know, I mean, they are NBC. They they are still a you know major uh, broadcast network, and they still have. Uh, incredible reach in terms of spreading the word about this new service. I'm sure it will be everywhere. So I, I don't think the, their issue is so much lack of marketing opportunity. Uh, but uh, but yes, with with a lot of these services launching at the same time, I, I, th I think that the players, you know, the competitors have to uh, take some some special measures. In, in order to put them short uh, on, on, on the short list when it comes to consideration. And hey, you know, the classic way to do that is by offering it free. I, I think it was very successful for Hulu in the early days. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a smart move. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think it's a recognition of this, what we've talked about on the podcast now for several weeks is that it's a crowded space. Yep. Companies are gonna have to differentiate themselves and they, you know, they're seeking to do that with original content, but original content isn't enough when there's a lot of services competing for your dollars. And clearly Apple is, is staking their future, at least right now, they're staking their future in this area. And so they need to uh, be aggressive as well. And, and that's why you see them offering it essentially free by, by staying on Apple hardware products and continuing right. to, to upgrade. And I, I can't even tell you how many shows uh that i come across on these various services that hey that looks really good you know or maybe i'll try out an episode and say hey you know i, I wish i had time to watch more of this or someone a friend will recommend something to me oh you know you have to be watching this there's just not enough time right. you know and, and so 
you 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 have to make some uh, some hard decisions. Amazon and Netflix have really done is make those original shows. Netflix, Netflix and HBO have done the best job of it. I don't, I don't know if, if Amazon has done such a great job of it. I mean, you've had what man in the high castle. I think there's, there's been some buzz around that. What, what else? I don't, you know, Jack Ryan, maybe they're certainly promoting it a lot. I don't, I don't think they've done as good a job. Definitely Netflix. If you look at things like stranger things or, or others, they've done a great job. I think it, at making it a show that everybody is talking about. And so they feel compelled to watch it, to be part of the cultural experience that's, that's happening around yes. the show. And I think, I think Apple is trying to do that as well. I with the, their, their big push seems to be the morning show yeah. with Steve, Steve Carell and uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon, I think. That's the one that, I mean, they've got a huge billboard in, in Times Square. Uh, advertising so yeah well there's the tell right there right it's whatever yes. uh, whatever takes up the billboard space in manhattan <laughs> it helps <laughs> yeah more to come i'm sure thanks for joining us uh, for another episode of techspansive again i'm sean dubervac you can find me on twitter at sean dubervac and i'm ross rubin you can read my tweets under ross rubin join us next week for another episode of techspansive <laughs>